Pastor Xavier Reese, reminding us that in Christ, all things are new. God always calls us out of something to call us into something else, and usually much, much better, okay? He calls me out of the world into the kingdom of God. He calls me out of sin into holiness. He calls me out of rebellion into obedience. He calls me out of pride into humility. He calls me out of blindness unto sight. He calls me out of death to life. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. God told Noah to build an ark in the middle of a desert and before there was anything such as rain. Jesus told Peter to get out of a boat and walk on water in the midst of a storm. Now, God's plans may not make sense to us, but that's because we don't have the benefit of the perspective He does of knowing the future. Well, today, Pastor Xavier gives us a glimpse of the blessings that follow those who choose to live by faith and not by sight. Genesis chapter 11, we're going to be looking at verse 10 all the way down to chapter 12, verse 9. The message is entitled, Abraham, the father of faith. The person of Abraham is the chief character in the Bible, as you know, and one who is claimed to be the father of faith for Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. The Jews claim him through Isaac. The Muslims claim him through Ishmael. And the Christians claim him through Jesus Christ. Now, it is with the man Abram that God begins to call and to work through to build the nation of Israel, from whom the Messiah, the seed of the woman, would come, the promise of the virgin birth in Genesis 3.15. And so what we're beginning now is that narrative from this point on, the rest of Genesis, that fall with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And God builds the nation of Israel. The first 11 chapters have, give you the, have given you the sound theology of all that God has done. That is your foundation for the rest of the Bible. If you have that intact, you will not be shaken. It is crucial that you understand it. Now comes Abraham. Let me read here, and I'm going to read verse 10. This is the genealogy of Shem. Shem was 100 years old and begot uh, our facts set two years after the flood. And I'm going to skip all the names down to verse 24, and you can read them on your own. And Nahor lived 29 years and begot Terah. And after he begot Terah, uh, Nahor lived 119 years and begot sons and daughters. Now Terah lived 70 years and begot Abram, Nahor, and Haram. This is the genealogy of Terah. Terah begot Abram, Nahor, and Haram. Haram begot Lot. And Haram died before his father, Terah, in the native land, in Ur the Chaldees. And Abram and Nahor took wives. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai, princess, and the name of Nahor's wife was Milcah, the daughter of Haram, the father of Milcah, and the father of Isaac. But Sarah was barren, and she had no children. And Terah took his son Abram and his grandson Lot, the son of Haram, the daughter-in-law Sarai, his son Abram's wife. And they went out with them into Ur of the Chaldees, or from the Ur of the Chaldees, to go to the land of Canaan. And they came to Haram and dwelt there. So the days of Terah were 205 years, and Terah died in Haram. 
Now the Lord said to Abram, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land which I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great and you shall be blessing. I will bless those who bless you and I will curse those who curse you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And so Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken to him. And Lot went with him, and Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haram. And Abram took Sarah, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all the possessions that they had gathered and the people whom he had acquired in Haram, and they departed to go to the land of Canaan. So they came to the land of Canaan. Abram passed through the land and place of Shechem as far as the terebinth tree of Mori, and the Canaanites uh, were there in the land. And then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your descendants I will give this land. And there he built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. And he moved from there to the mountain east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel and the west to Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called the name of the Lord. We want to look at Abraham through three perspectives regarding this section. First, we begin with the personal residence of Abraham in chapter 11, verse 10, all the way down to 32. Then we'll look at the personal call of Abraham and we'll back up to verse 31 all the way to verse 3 of chapter 12. And then we're going to finish up with the personal obedience of Abraham. So the personal residence, the personal call, the personal obedience. Three movements that are given to us that are so instructive for us who are to be walking in faith. The personal residence of Abraham. Notice verse 10 down to 30. The genealogy of Shem leads us to Abraham. And is the one that is followed through the Bible to the Messiah. He is the one. The genealogy of Shem is the only one repeated and expanded. You find it in chapter 10, verse 22 to 31. You find it here in verse 10 to 26 again. It's repeated and expanded because that is the focus. That son of Noah is the one by which the Messiah line comes. Shem is probably the youngest of the three sons. There's arguments and opinions, but Jephthah is said to be the elder in Genesis 10.21. Ham is said to be one of the younger in 9.24. Now Shem is always, as you look at all the lists that are of the three sons of Noah, Shem is always first on the list when they are listed. And when they are given in terms of the table of nations, chapter 10, they are reversed in order. So most likely, and it is interesting if it is so, that it is the younger that has followed Shem, which is interesting because as you follow the book of Genesis and, and, and God as he deals with the patriarchs, it isn't the firstborn that he blesses. It's always the other. If you remember the case of Esau and Jacob, and then it goes to David, and then, of course, Joseph before David. So it is quite interesting. Now, when you look at verse 10 down to 30 of chapter 11, our facts said, the son of Shem leads us to Terah. He's the connection, the father of Abram. A couple important names here because of the events that took place and future things. Verse 16 and the first part of 17, you have Peleg. He's important because uh, it is during his lifetime that the Tower of Babel occurred. And if you look back to chapter 11, you see that. Okay, the time of Peleg, the earth was divided and the Tower of Babel was there. So they're hooked together. Chapter 10 and chapter 11 go together. Okay, chapter 10 gives you the table of nations, gives you some detail. And chapter 11 gives you all the specifics to be put back in. 
Very important. Now, Eber is also mentioned there, and he's important because it is from him that the root word and the origin of the word Hebrew comes from. And Abraham later on in Genesis 14, 13 is called the Hebrew. So you have the tie of the lineage here. Eber had two sons. The one was Peleg, the other one, Joktan. Genesis 10, 25 confirms this. Chapter 11 follows the line of Peleg to Abraham. And so you see the connection all through there. Nero is the father of Terah. Uh, verse 24 and 25 tells us. Terah fathered three sons in verse 26 and 27. Abram, Nahor, Haram. Look at verse 28. Haram died before his father Terah in Ur the Chaldees. The very specific and important information that is given to us. Which will be confirmed in the New Testament as we go through the study. And then in verse 29, Abram and Nahor, they took wives. Abraham, or Abram at this point, Sarai, princess, and then Nahor's wife, Milcah, the daughter of Haram. And so you have the connection, the lineage is all the way down that's followed for the Messiah. Now, the interesting footnote there in verse 30 is, but Sarah was barren. She had no children. So God calls his man to bless him, as you know, and he, his wife is barren. All the patriarch's wives were barren. Children come from God. God wanted no even slight doubt that it might be the potential of man to fulfill the covenant. God would intervene. It was him who was going to do this. No one else. Now, through Shem's line are the people more commonly known as Semites. The spelling Sem comes from the Greek. So when people say they're Semitic, they're the Semite. Anti-Semitic, it comes from that. They're the Shem line, the Messiah line. Now, Look at verse 31 of chapter 11. The man Abram lived in the area of Ur the Chaldees. The ruins of Ur the Chaldees, known as uh, Al Makayir, uh, were first um, investigated by an English archaeologist uh, named Lotus and Taylor in 1854. Later explorations uh, were made by Campbell Thompson in 1918 and Hall in 1918 and 19. And finally, systematically, they excavated the site and they were taken uh, completely by 1922, uh, a joint venture with the British Museum uh, and the University of Pennsylvania. And um, there were several other archaeologists that were um, part of that. And the city was roughly oval and the axis running north and south and there were 12 campaigns that were completed successfully ending 1934. The findings were significant. Listen, a temple of the Ziggurat, uh, the three-step tower of the city, rose 92 feet and from the base measuring 130 to 195 feet. The construction is similar to the Maya pyramid ruins in Yucatan and three massive steps. And as we've pointed out before, that, you know, in the Tower of Babel, all were one language and God confounded the language and he dispersed them through the land. And you see the identification of the Mayans, the Aztecs, as you know, where they get the idea of pyramids at the Tower of Babel. Well, how'd they get over there? Well, we know through DNA today that all of the Indians that, and this has been an, an interesting study because of the Mormons. The Mormons say that the Indians, you know, they were the first. Well, this and that. Well, they've done DNA through all the Indians, all of North and South America, all the way down. They're all related to Asia. So they came across the Bering Straits and everything else. So we know, and the biblical record confirms it. They took the blueprint of pyramids and everything else. We're at the Tower of Babel. Interesting. 
The temple was not a place for people to gather for worship, but a shrine, a place for the sun god. The Aztecs worshiped the sun god. The worship was the moon god also, Nana, and the sun god. Where'd they get it? Back in the tower. A cemetery named Tol Obed was also discovered. In the Hill of Justice, um, there was an inscription, the Hall of Justice there, and was found the wall giving visible evidence of the great institution of the civilization of verse. It wasn't primitive. Sometimes, oh, those guys are stone age cave. No, 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 they're very, very sophisticated. There was industry, business, arts, crafts, a thriving place. This was Ur of the Chaldees. Now, the man Abraham was a pagan Gentile. He wasn't a holy man. Now, let me give you a commentary that Joshua gives to us, and he picks up Abraham all the way in Joshua, okay? That's when they enter the land. Joshua 24, verse 2 through 3, listen to him. He says, Thus saith the Lord, God of Israel, Your fathers, including Terah, the father of Abraham, the father of Nahor, dwelt on the other side of the river in old times, and they served other gods. Then I took your father Abraham from the other side of the river, led him throughout all the land of Canaan, and multiplied his descendants and gave him Isaac. Whoa. Pagan. He reminds them as they're in the land. He didn't give it to you because he was holy. He didn't give it to you because he deserved it. He just, God sovereignly took him and changed his life. Transformed them. In fact, in verse 15 of Joshua 24, Joshua warns them clearly about serving other gods. Listen, and if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourself this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites, in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. The warning, don't go back. Don't go back. That's always a danger, isn't it? The God touches a person's life, and then they forget, and they go back. They get in the snare with a life of sin again. Now, in verse 32, Abram is called a Syrian by Moses due to the fact that he dwelled in Haram. Uh, verse 32 here speaks of Haram, but Moses reminds us that he calls him a Syrian. And Haram is the area of Syria. Listen to um, Moses in Deuteronomy 26.5. In offering their first fruits to God, they were to say this. Moses says, say this when you offer your first fruits. He says, and you shall answer and say before the Lord your God. Listen carefully. My father was a Syrian about to perish, and he went from down to Egypt and dwelt there, few in number, and there he became a nation, great, mighty, and populous. Haram is Babylonian, a Babylonian word. At Abraham's time, it was not in its greatest prosperity, yet the ruins show that it was at one time. And that's always the case. As long as God is in view of people and there's morals, there's ethics, a nation grows, a society grows, it's productive. But when they turn away from God further and further, that's the beginning of the decline and destruction of the civilization. Always. Now, the man Abram's name is significant. His name, while in Ur, was Abram. The name means Father is exalted or exalted Father, conveying the love of the Father. Now, his name was changed and will be changed later on when we get down the road. And 
it's because he attempts to fulfill the promise of God himself in Genesis 17.5. He takes this uh, slave girl, Hagar, that he gets from Egypt, and he and Sarah, and at night, a little campfire, they get a little conversation. They try to help out God. They figure out how to fulfill the promise. And uh, so he goes into Hagar, have a son, and he has an Ishmael. You don't want Ishmaels in your life. Uh, they, they wear you down, okay? And uh, so his name is changed then. The name Abraham means father of multitudes. How would you like that? You're out there in your Bedouin tent, and people come by, and you invite them in for some coffee, and they say, oh, what's your name? Oh, my name is Abraham. Oh, father of multitudes. How many children do you have? None. What? That's why I had a good laugh with Abraham for a while. It was a contradiction to all. He had no children. It was a shame to him because his wife was barren. And when women were barren, it meant that they were in disfavor with God. All of the patriarch's wives were barren. That God would ensure that the prophetic fulfillment would be upon him and him alone, no one else. No fat chance of it happening apart from him. You know, each of our lives is the greatest illustration to um, Abram regarding uh, where we lived before we came to Christ. We were living apart from God, worshiping other gods, maybe not the moon or the sun god, but we were godless. Each of us came from the three sons of Noah, does that impact you? That we are all related to the same source of humanity? Last, this weekend I was doing a retreat for a, a Korean church. I had about 80 Korean young people from junior high school to college together. And it was just incredible what the word of God could do. God just, his word just cuts through. It was just an incredible time. We're all related to the three sons of Noah. We're all Sinners, we all have sin nature. We all are in need of repentance for salvation. Listen to Genesis 10, 32. These were the families of the sons of Noah according to their generations in their nations. And from these, the nations were divided on the earth after the flood. Listen to Paul the apostle in Acts 17 when he's talking to the people in Athens. Verse 26 and 28. And he has made from one blood... Every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth and has determined their appointed times and boundaries and their dwellings. Verse 26 there. Paul believed that from one person, Noah's sons, one blood, God made the nations. Amazing. This was the personal residence of Abraham, much like ours. Now notice the personal call of Abraham comes next. We'll back up to verse 31. The call to Abraham came while he was in Ur of the Chaldees. We've got the background. We see it now. We know the background now. We can better understand why God calls him out. The initial departure is recorded um, there. And Terah took his uh, son Abraham, his grandson Lot, the son of Haram, daughter-in-law Sarai, Abraham's wife. And they went out from the Ur of the Chaldees to go to the land of Canaan, and they came to Haram, and they dwelt there. Now, the passage would seem to indicate that it was Terah who was going out at this point and not Abraham, but it was Abraham who was called out from, from Stephen's commentary in the book of Acts, chapter 7, verse 1 through 3. The call notice was the first of two to Abram. It's not obvious, obvious, but there were two calls. This is the first. 
It would seem that Abram's father, 1126, tells us that he was 70 years old when he begot Abram. Okay? Now, Abram's father died at 205 years old in Haram in verse 32, we're told. How long he dwelt at Haram is not known due to the fact that we do not know his age when they left to Haram. Yet Abraham, we are told, was 75 years old when he departed from Haram in verse 4 of chapter 12. We do have that and we have the death. That would mean that Terah was 130 years old when Abram was born. And you get this by subtracting Abram's age of 75 when he left from Terah's death of 205 years. That would mean that the age of 70 in chapter 11, verse 26, is not Terah's age at the birth of Abram, but it's simply his age when he began to beget children, and there's no specific given. And Stephen tells us that Abraham left after the death of his father Terah in Acts 7, 1 through 3, confirming that fact. So there can be no mistake. Now, if we take their age of marriage to be around 30 years of age, which is the average, and that would be in verse 29, that would leave about 45 years to Abraham's departure from Haram if he left at 30. Now, it is then very possible to say that if Abraham dwelt in Ur for 10 years before he left the Haram, then he was in Haram for 35 years. And you can say, well, if he left at 20 years or whatever, you can make the math. So anywhere up to 45 years and down, he procrastinated at Haram in full obedience. The call to Abraham that comes to him the second time follows in chapter 12, verse 1 through 3. It's a continuous narrative. This is the second call. Notice the tense. The tense indicates a previous call in the past. The Lord had said to Abram. Past tense. This is the second call. The personal call to Abraham was severe in nature, first of all. Look at it. To separate from his country or homeland. Marking the urgency. To separate from his family or kindred, cultural, ethnic, race. Any Christian who focuses and emphasizes his cultural, ethnic, race above his Christianity is carnal. In the world, we are divided by our races and culture. I'm a Mexican. I'm black. I'm this and that. We are all in the family of God. And when you use your race above the family of God, it's unbiblical. You're carnal. Don't get sucked in by people who are trying to polarize you to your race and your culture. Nothing wrong with culture. Nothing wrong with race. But you don't exalt it or divide the body of Christ for that. Never. Never. To separate from his father's house, blood relatives his extended relatives, which gave him his livelihood and security. 
This is a radical call. Radical. Because it was so corrupt. And then he says he calls him to a land that God would show him. God always calls us out of something to call us into something else and usually much, much better. Okay? He calls me out of the world into the kingdom of God. He calls me out of sin into holiness. He calls me out of rebellion into obedience. He calls me out of pride into humility. He calls me out of blindness unto sight. He calls me out of death to life. Pastor Xavier Reese with an encouraging reminder about your new position in Jesus. And you can request a copy of today's encouraging lesson, Abraham, the Father of Faith. As always, it's only $4 on CD. And don't forget to pass along these encouraging studies to a friend or loved one. So the title to ask for once again is Abraham, the Father of Faith. Or simply mention today's date when you write Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And it's important you mention the call letters of this station when you contact us. How much faith does it take to follow God? Pastor Xavier Reese answers that question on the next edition of Simple Truths. Hope to see you then. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 